it was 15 love to football when Tony McAnally chose to go with it rather than tennis when he was 14. But then he fell out of love with the game in his early 20s and went and played amateur with his mates instead. Stepping down helped him step back up and he would go on to have a successful playing career in the juniors. This week, Tony tells us about those days in the second part of his interview. There were the fancy suits he'd wear and why he was often referred to as City Boy at shots. There's the teammate he'd loan a tie to and Davy Menelaw's lost stereo. In a packed show, we also hear from the West of Scotland League's fixture secretary, Kenny Young, on COVID and what's required to ensure a completed campaign. This Sean Kenny on fireworks at Ardea after transforming their fortunes this season. And we find out who produced the performance of the week in Mark Mackay's Best of the West. And this week, there's more than one team. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, Neil, Mucker is back. Paul, good to have you here again. Uh, it's been a tough time for you, I know, with, with your dad passing away, but um, it was good to hear the football community came out in force in support. Yeah, it's been a tough three, four weeks, three weeks, I think it has. Uh, shock to me, shock to my family. A uh, healthy man that should still be with us, but unfortunately he's not. And a time that I certainly wouldn't wish on anybody. However, life goes on and so many people I've got to thank because it's not until times like this, which I've never experienced, Gareth, you know, you you lose grandparents and things like that in life, but you never you never think you'll lose your parents. And the whole football community has been brilliant, honestly. Uh, from the first game that I went back to then an hour dear guys down there were brilliant and the minute silence and stuff like that. And the amounts of messages we've received and flowers we my mum's received and stuff like that's been unbelievable. And that just shows that whilst on a Saturday, you know, you do battle out with your position managers and clubs and stuff like that. See when it really counts, they're actually there for you. And and I and I'll extend that to the guys at New Mains United who have just been phenomenal for me and, you know, you get friends in life, don't you? But when times like this, you really realise who's by your side. And honestly, and everybody, I can't thank people enough. But fortunately, unfortunately, life goes on, and and we're back, and we're back on the podcast. And don't want to make it doom and gloom tonight because that's not what it's about, is it? No, but uh, football often, too often, gets a gets a kicking, and uh, I guess it is good to hear. Uh, and heartening to hear if stories like that when when uh, when the football community comes together and and, and treats you like that. So um, yes, yeah, obviously good to have you back. You've been missed, uh, Stuart and Davy and uh, Des have uh, been been able deputies, but good to have you. Good good to have the band back together tonight, Paul. Good to be back. And it looks like looks like New Main's performances have picked up of late a bit too. They have, as I say, we went down to Ardea and it was a big, big game. Whatever thing that happened, it was, it was a big game. But do you know what? We had players back, Gareth, and I've, I've heard a lot of managers say that you know, 
and and it does it. It makes a huge difference. We actually, I thought we performed really well against Ardia uh, on times. We we played well. In fact, I think we we, we lost the first couple of goals. Uh, I would say against the run of play, uh, and you no, know, I felt unlucky coming away from it, but. Having, it was more. I was more pleased with the performance because obviously previous weeks we, you know, we took a bit of a, but a, a hard run. Uh, and then the last game at home again with Kami Farqua back in goals, and I honestly I can't tell you how big a difference that makes. Nothing against anybody that's been in before, but he's an experienced keeper. Arguably, I'd say at our level, he's probably one of the best keepers about, and, and he makes a huge difference to us. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, this week probably one of our key midfielders is having to relocate to, to Dublin. Uh, and we've got a made a boy in trial of he's got he's gonna sign, who's played the last two games. So I don't know whether I, I don't know how we're gonna shape up for Saturday, but you know, hopefully we play like we'll have the last couple of weeks and, and we'll be okay. And it's available leaving in the in the second round of the Junior Cup, yeah. Vela leaving in the in the in the second round, yeah. And a team that I've been a huge admirer of, to be honest, because I'd say in you know in the old juniors the last uh, few years, they've definitely been the toughest team we've we've played in our division. A uh, well organised side, play some good football. You know they've got a partner play that they want to you know they want to explore and they do that and. You know, a very good team. Some of the results this year have shocked me a little bit that they've had, but they'll be the same Vale leaving team that will that will come up to us on on, on Saturday. They they'll be up for it as well, uh, and I'm sure that the results that maybe they've had this year is probably down to again, like most of us, injury, suspensions, COVID, holidays, and and, and I'll say it again. I said in previous shows, I think start when when we've started the season, especially. People can go and have staycations and things like that. You know, it's people are taking advantage of it. I see uh, one manager in the, in the uh, local paper this week saying, you know, he's away this weekend as well. So it's like, you know, people have people have got lives out with football. And obviously, back to my dad, that's when you really notice it as well, isn't it? So, yeah, looking forward to Vela leaving coming up. Uh, and hopefully we can, we can get first one of the season. Well, we'll hear more about that game and the, the rest of the second round in next week's show. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. And we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show. And please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Hi, I'm Paul Fries. I'm Beef Captain, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we hear the second part of the interview with Cumnock boss Tony McAnally, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. 
We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, you've got the clues this week, Paul. Okay, so here we go. So up until 2013, they played in the East of Scotland League. They were formed in 1894 and in 1907 separated into two teams. Both clubs re-emerged in 2013. And then in 2013, they re-entered in the pyramid system. Maybe got an idea. Maybe. Okay. Reveal at the end of the show. My name's Thomas Irvine, manager of Force Wanderers. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Last week, Bells Hill assistant manager Davey Menelaws and I spoke to Cumnock boss Tony McAnally. We covered his success in the dugout in part one of the interview. This week, we hear some hilarious stories from his days as a player, some of them with Davey at shots. Well, we've talked about your management days, Tony. Um, I believe at the age of 14, though, your career could have gone one of two different ways. Tell us about <laughs> tell us about that um, sliding doors moment, maybe. Aye, aye. It was, um, I was always OK at football, you know. Um, my dad played professional for Brentford and Aston Villa and stuff like that. And, you know, so I obviously got a wee bit of talent from him. And uh, But I was also a very good tennis player. And uh, at the time I was playing regionally and I was in squads for football and tennis. So I played for like Glasgow Schoolboys and I was in the Scottish Schoolboys select team. And the same with tennis as well. And at 14, I had to kind of make a decision because if I wanted to go down the tennis route, then I had to focus on certain um, training. But football was my first love, so I went with football. So that was really it. But even to this day, I love playing tennis. Um, I try and play as often as I can. Um, but I, I put the racket down for about 30 years and I picked it up, you know, about 10 years ago. Was that right? I started playing again. So... I, I actually enjoy, you know, I try, and, I try and play as often as I can. A lot of my friends are at, I like to say, White Craigs in the Western and, and different tennis clubs. So I, I, I like to play as often as my body allows now. Because <laughs> I can't you, play uh, football anymore. Wait, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a cartilage in one knee and I don't have a cartilage meniscus and patella in the other one. So football's quite difficult with the contact. So tennis is a, a good substitute. Ever any regret or ever ever thoughts of what might have been making that decision? No, no, no. Football's football's gave me some fantastic experiences and great memories. Played with some great players, you know, and and experienced a lot of great things. You know, playing at certain stadiums, playing against certain players, um, winning certain games, winning trophies. Nah, nah. I don't think I would have done that if I'd played the other sport no you started out at I think St Mirren uh, went on to air and took some time out as well to maybe tell us about that you know how maybe things didn't maybe go to plan as or was what happened Gareth when I was young was 16 or 17 I think um, I got offered a place at Strathclyde Uni so I'd accepted that and then quite late on in the summer uh, St Mirren offered me terms you know it was like a YTS type situation. 
Um, so what I used to do was I used to go and train in the morning with St Myrne. Um, so I was in the ground staff, so usual boot boy duties and getting all the training equipment ready. And then in the afternoon, I would go to Strathclyde Uni. Um, so I, I'd done that. You know, I had a, a three-year contract with St Myrne and I was four years at uni. And, uh, you know, at the time, St Myrne were a really good side. You're talking 1986-87. St Myrne were winning Scottish Cups and playing in Europe. I mean, they had some tremendous players at the, at the club. And uh, I, so I wasn't good enough to play first team, you know, but I met some good guys. I met Dougie Fontana there. He was one of the ground staff and I had different guys, you know. Guys like Paul Lambert and stuff like that were coming through. I think Ian Ferguson might have been. and By Norrie McWhorter, they had some cracking players. Um, but I just wasn't good enough. Um, so, left there and I, I just I, I just continued my studies at uni. And then George Burley asked me to go in at Air. And, uh, you know, it was Air were going through a wee bit of a change for full-time to part-time. And there was a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, it was one of the... I, I didn't commit to that, you know really at all. I just I, I wanted to finish. I was doing I was in my honours year at uni, so I focused on that. And then after that I actually kind of fell out of love with football. I was about twenty one, I think, twenty one ish I and uh, my big mate phoned me up and asked me to go and play amateur. And I played amateur for two years and I absolutely loved it. I played with a team called His Side and we won the Scottish Amateur Cup and the Ayrshire League and uh, all the different cups, and I loved it. And then, you know, I get picked for the Scottish amateur team for Scotland, and I went over to Ireland and played, and I loved it. And then I played for the Ayrshire Select, and then the following season I went and signed with a team called DL High School, and uh, I played under a manager called Jordy Dixon. And his assistant manager was Stuart Ralston, and Stuart's actually now a coach with me. He was a brilliant coach, and so was Jordy. And I played there with the Caledonian League, and played with Scotland again and stuff like that and I had a great time and then at the end of that season I played with DL I had seven offers to go back and play senior and uh, I actually chose Queen's Park because I come from Rutherglen so I could almost walk to Hamden and I'd you know I'd done okay at Queen's Park I played what six or eight games and then it was before the transfer windows and then I went to Albion Rovers and I played there for what three seasons or something like that and had a great time under Vinnie Moore and Tommy O'Neill and guys like Bobby Russell and Stuart Robertson. So I I think the amateur years gave me my love back for football. I think if I hadn't played there, I might have just chucked it. But um, I'm glad I did play, you know. So I, I'm fortunate that I've played amateur, junior and senior, you know, for a number of years. And so I understand all the different levels. And uh, I, it's great to be able to do that. Obviously, you say there, Tony, you played amateur, junior and senior. And it's funny, I did the same. I played amateur, going to shots, junior and empty senior. Do you think that's missed now by a lot of boys that are no using it as a stepping stone to, to, to find their, um, obviously, educate themselves, move on to for amateur to junior, mm. then junior to senior. And Aye. it's just kind of like a boys are, are no interested in that progression anymore. I agree, David. It's just... Uh... What's happened is by doing that, you stay humble, you know, because you've been at the different levels. But it, it really irks me when I see these boys that walk about with the Louis Vuitton bags who play pro youth and they'll never, ever get a sniffy playing a senior game. And they think they're all that and they've got the hairstyle and they've got the gel and the, 
you know, the clothes and all that. But you say to yourself, you actually need to, you actually need to get down to brass tacks here and, and be a humble player. Get back to what you're good at. Find your level. Do as well as you can and the rewards will come later on. And I think that's often missed. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong sometimes going a wee bit old school with players and, and keeping it real. You know, my, my dad's 82. He's, you know, I love him dearly and stuff like that. And he's a very humble man. And what's happened is he played with St Rocks when he was 15, went down to Brentford, uh, you know, and played down there for a number of years and went to Aston Villa, broke his leg in two places. And at that time, that was career ending, 1963, 64, something like that. And, uh, you know, he battled back and he ended up playing with Peters Hill and Albion Rovers and stuff like that. So, you know, those values that you get, some, I mean, I, I see it all the time. I've seen it with my boy. My boy's now 20. He's a good player. But I, I used to see it when he was at Wolves Boys Club. And uh, I was really fortunate that my boy's manager was Martin Nelson. I don't know if you remember him, Gareth. Uh, what a football player. Probably one of the best junior players you'll, uh, you'll ever seen. Played at Mary Hill. Aye, five, foot, Aye. five foot six. Magician on the ball. An absolute magician. He was, early, uh, he was my son's manager. And he was very, very down to earth. You know, Nelly's from Cast Milk. He said to him, you know, I don't care if you can keep the ball up 100 times. You can't keep the ball up 100 times in the pitch because you get kicked. So learn how to pass the ball, how to move it, move it with two feet and stuff like that. And I think sometimes people miss that, what the reality of football is. You know, I've had loads of these boys that come through pro youth and they don't make contact with players. They run alongside them. And you say... Football's a contact sport. You need to go and engage. You need to go and commit. You can't just run alongside them and let them run 60 yards unchallenged without even putting a hand or a foot in to even put it out for a shy or tackle. I, I find that baffling, you know. And Whereas, you know, in my day, it was highly competitive. David's day, it's highly competitive. You've got to, it's a contact sport. You've got to go and compete. You've got to earn the right to play. You've got to go and compete. You've got to do the right things. You've got to have the right work ethic. And I think that's often missed that some boys, you know, I, I find that I, I played with... I mean, there's, there's boys I've spoke to, they're 19, and say, I played with Celtic, Hearts and Hamilton. And the first thing I say to them, how many first-team games did you get? And they say, none. I says, well, you didn't play for them then, did you? <coughs> you were in the pro-youth system. You were in their academy. You know... If they turn around to me and say, I played 202 games, then you go, oh, you must have been a good player. But you'll probably find that they're 28 at the time. You know, they've been there and done it. But, you know, don't don't say to me you've played with Rangers and Hibs and whatever. You've no. You, you genuinely haven't. You haven't played with them because you never played in the first team. Making it is playing in the first team. So, you know, I think a reality check, there's loads of boys. That, I do feel sympathy for boys because... You know, for example, Kilmarnock, relegated, lost the whole youth system. Hamilton Aki's youth system went down a wee bit this year. I know them very well. But, you know, other clubs keep their youth system. But, you know, there's loads and loads of boys. I mean, I think this year, Gareth and David, when I read the senior list and I spoke to Michelle and I spoke to um, Fraser Wisher, I think there was something like 373 this year for senior. But that's, do you feel... But do you feel that players don't want to come back the way to go back forward? Like 300 players getting released, surely some of the guys must say, listen, 
I maybe need to take a step back to go step forward. I just feel sometimes that you're thinking, you know, especially with the promotion, as you said, with the West of Scotland, how it's getting advertised, how it's getting dealt with. Listen, go. Because they don't want you doesn't mean nobody else wants you. Huh. Go and express yourself. Get back playing. Get yourself in the short window. And if you're good enough, you'll, you'll get noticed. But, huh. you know, because they get ready doesn't mean that's that's the be on and end all. You know, at the end of the day, if you need to go back, as you say, and play amateur, go back and play amateur because it only takes a couple of weeks for somebody to say, by the way, do you see that boy who's playing the X? By the huh. way, he, then you go and see him and say, oh, by the way, I was at uh, Kilmarnock Pro Youth. Straight away, you're like, well... It, you are right, David. I mean, the amount, amount of players that... You know, you, you look at some of the players that that have done that. Um, you know, there's a famous expression, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, and what's happened is some person might play a certain way and that person just doesn't fit into that way of playing. And, and what's happened is that doesn't mean that that boy's a bad player. It just means that he doesn't fit into that way of playing and that, that's what happens I mean but if you think about loads of boys that have, I mean Darian McKinnon you know he was playing with St Patrick's amateurs Clyde Bank Budgie saw him took him in within 18 months he's playing with the first team at Hamilton you know so there's things like that I mean I look at the, 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 the young lad that he was playing under 17s at, at Pollock the boy Mohammed Niang his nickname's Senna you know, Bill Rayside and, and Davey Adams had him in as the under-19s. And I liked to look of him, and I said, I was at the Paul at first team, I said, can I get him up training with me? It took him about a month to adjust to the physicality. But, you know, the boy played what? I brought him in pre-season and played, what, seven games for me? And he got a two-and-a-half-year deal at Partick Thistle. I mean, I phoned up Alan Maitland at, at Hamilton, I phoned up Ian Maxwell at Partick, and I said... I've got a young boy here. He's only 17, but he competes like a man. He, he's really hungry for it. He comes for Senegal. He's a great lad. He's got a great attitude. You know, I've put him in my first team. I think he's worth a look at. And it ended up, he played with Partick in a, a, bound, a reserve game against Aberdeen. And Tony Doherty came up to me and said, is that your boy? Is that a boy who plays with Tony? I says, I like the look of him. Can we have him up to Aberdeen for a trial? I says, I think he's actually about to sign. And then Alan Maitland came in. Partick played, Partick played Hamilton Ackies. And the two centre-forwards that were playing for Ackies were the two first team. And the boy played against both of them. And he was man of the match. And Hamilton then came in and says, we'll buy him off you. We didn't, we didn't want money at Pollock. We wanted to give the boy the opportunity, the platform to go and play. And that's what you need to do. I mean, that boy was just playing. He got found playing just in a bounce game on a Sunday and he got asked into Pollock's youth setup, and he's now in the Partick Thistle first team. But that happens quite a lot. You know, just boys, you just need to take it. I, I remember taking a boy to shots. His name was Mark Brown. Do you know him, David? I do. That's right, aye. Mm-hmm. What a player. He'd been released by Rangers and he was playing with his pals amateur. And I went down and saw him and I went, wow, what a player he is. I brought him up to shots. I had him about four weeks and he got signed by, I think it was Alwa. I phoned up Alan Maitland and I says, this boy's brilliant. He's been released by Rangers, but he's played some games for me and he's he's a standout. And he ended up signing with Alwa and he had a good career, you know, a good senior career. But that's what you've got to do. It's just, 
as I said, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and, and it is true what they say about that. Talking of trash and treasure, uh, we've talked about key moments in a career. What about um, the day that you walked into a dressing room and saw Davy Menelo sitting in there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, he was a young, what I will say is, he was a young lad that Rav Sneddon had brought up. He was uh, very confident. You know, he, he wouldn't shut up, you know. It's a chatterbox, but his heart was in the right place. But once we started training and once we started playing and he kind of found his feet and his level and stuff like that, he was a very, and very good player. And when he found his voice? <laughs> oh, no, he had a voice for the first minute, you know. But my ears were bleeding with him. So, yeah. aye, he just... Uh, you know how they say guys should only say 2,000 words in a day or something like that? He says 2,000 words in 10 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, not, you're probably not like hang there. No, he, he, he was a great lad, heart in the right place, very good player. He had a really good career, you know, and, and, and it was a pleasure to play with him, you know, for he had a brilliant season with shots. And he, and, he, and he was, I'm not saying he was lucky, but it was. It was good for them to join a team that was confident and, you know, knew their jobs and they had some experienced players about that Rab Sneddon had Rab Sneddon and Harry Irwin had, you know, moulded a good team there and a good unit and bringing in a young player like that was, was brilliant for us. You know, he gave us a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of quality, scored a lot of goals. I don't know how many scored that year, but uh, he had a great time. 25 and I think Porter scored 24. <laughs> 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 but listen, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, Sneddon's um, words to me. I need to bring you up to shots because I need you to do 98% of the running and just get the other, the boys will just get you the ball. They'll do 2%. You know, right, let, let, let's just let, let Davey and I agree that Craig Porter was quite economic with his running, you know, to the channels. Uh, like, oof, like, putting the ball in the net and he was a good player. Uh, he was brilliant. Good, uh, he was great. He was good and, you uh, and to be fair, it wasn't. Uh, I, I remember going to shots, and I said, "Why, Rob? Why does everybody just keep switching the ball right to left, and you're just doing doggies a hundred and twenty yards across the park? Do we no play forward?" He said, "No, you'll get used to it, wee man. Just keep running." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you have you met Rob Sneddon and have you interviewed Rob, Gary? Not yet, no, no. Obviously, no, him, but real legend in the game, great guy. Um, he he might be one that. He he have good stories, yeah. really really. Future guest, future guest on the show. Um, so it was a it was a good dressing room that one then. The two the two of you enjoyed the. Oh, brilliant! It was a good, it was an edu- see for me being a young guy coming in. It was an education, not just in fat, but in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know it was um, brilliant. And by the way, the good thing about that dressing room, see if you wanted anything, you could get it. You know, <laughs> Dyson Telly's Hoover. You know. Uh, I remember, remember um, aye, and to be fair, Tony uh, didn't elaborate. I had the worst disciplinary record at, at shots in my, my, my first year there, and the only year. Um, and I did, it cost me a, a brand new stereo. <laughs> you know, Tell us more. Aye, oh, there was a there was the right few characters in that dressing room, Gareth, you know, and uh, they were all good lads and stuff like that, you know, and Sometimes I bump into them periodically, you know. I know where I know where their haunts are, stuff like that. But um, I some really great characters in that dressing room, sort of us. 
Yeah. I want to know about the stereo there. Why did why oh. did it come to the stereo? <laughs> what happened is obviously we uh, back. We were I'm sure we were, we were we were on course to win the league, and we were playing Peters Hill at home. And one of the lads is just said you could get in and hang them. We all chipped in and got a, a brand new stereo, obviously, um, out of black bag. So, like we, first first day we had it all set up in Big Peter Henry's physio room. So we're playing Peter's Hill, and unfortunately, me, I, I was um, unfortunate enough to get sent off that game. And basically, what happened is obviously Rab was quite highly strong at, at very a few times. So. After the game, he's came in, and obviously, me being me, I'm standing there, all showered and changed. He's came in, beat red, raging. <laughs> and somebody, I don't know who it was, I, I think it might, it could have been Tony, or I think it was Eddie Farrell, somebody chucked a ball in, and it bounced just in front of me, and uh, old Rab volleyed the ball straight through the physio room and smashed the brand new stereo <laughs> into about 100 pieces. So... And then came up to me nose to nose and gave me an absolute hair dryer. And on the back of that, I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd, I'd, I was only getting paid about three bob a week to, and then I had to buy a stereo. I think I'd an IOU for about eight months to pay back that stereo. Talking of cash and money and business, would that have been the days, Davy, when Tony would turn up for training dressed in his fancy suits? Yes, without doubt. Listen, I think I think Tony was getting paid what I get paid in a year, per week, you know. But oh no, they, 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 to be honest, back in the day, Tony will back me up. There was a competition for suits there with people like Greeny and with Tony, and you know, with the, the fashion. We, we, every one of them were in with a different suit every week. You know I mean, I, I was lucky to buy a tie for Asda, as I said, in a shop. You know, they're turning up with two-piece suits on. <laughs> well, are these rumours right, Tony, that you were a bit of a city boy back in the day? Aye, aye. I think it's fair to say, you know. So, aye, I used to get cane for it, you know. So, I had a gold card. I still got all that pattern, you know. And because, um, you know, as I keep saying to them, if you stick in at school, you get a good job. You know, that's what I try and tell them. Educate yourself. Go to university and get good jobs and... But aye, no, the, the boys used to cane me for aye, the, the fancy suits, you know, the, the Hugo Boss suits and the Armani suits and all that, and, yeah. you know, the fancy shoes and all that, and the ties, they used to cane me for it, but aye, they, they didn't let me miss, I mean, you're talking, Gareth, you're talking, used to wear really smart suits and, and nice shoes and all that, they used to cut the holes out my socks and all that, and Cutting my boxers up. Correct. And one 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 level you had Tony and the other level you had Alan Cahoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like chalk and cheese. <laughs> I wanted to know what uh, what Davy's uh, clubber was like back in that day. I mean, we've heard about yours. Was he was he the kipper tie and all that? Oh, I mean, like say, you know how when. You, you get to a certain age, you know, mid-twenties, late-twenties, you know what kind of fashion suits you will. He was like the cat in a hat. He used to just run through the, the, the wardrobe and whatever. I can stay on him, you know. It was yellow, purple, red, every colour of the rainbow, you know. But young boy, you know, just daft young boy, just trying things out, let's just say. But, aye, he, some of his fashion was a wee bit um, left a lot to be desired, let's just say. <laughs> he wasn't the worst, but I'll give him a. Oh, I know. 
Remember, <laughs> I mean, Alan Calhoun, he was a cracker, wasn't he? Oh, unbelievable. He used to Somebody ask, he, Alan Calhoun used to say to you, we've got a night out on Saturday, going to give me a loan of your tie. Or <laughs> <laughs> going to give me that jacket so we can go out, because he had about five wins, didn't he? Aye, he was out doubt. I think he's only a jacket to go out and all that, but aye, he was funny aye. guy. I, I think he was the only guy that turned up with his training gear in a poly bag. <laughs> <laughs> he's a star, is it? Do, I mean, the, the the junior aspect to it as a player, something you really loved. You know, obviously you were at Shorts, but you were at other clubs as well and, and very successful too. Aye, but, well, I remember my first year playing at the juniors, and I'd never played the junior before, but the first thing that I, I realised that, hold on a minute, you know, going to try and tackle me for the hip done, you know. So <laughs> I was used to, you know, you'd played senior and you were playing against good players and it was it was really competitive. But that was the first thing that I had to wise up to that, you know, kind of anything went about the tackles. So, but once you kind of sussed that out, you, you kind of, right, I'm not going to get caught there. I'm not going to allow him the chance to two-foot me or hit me high or gave him the opportunity. So that that was the, the biggest learning curve playing junior. But once you done that and once you realised that was a you know that it was very physical, then it was actually a really good standard. I mean the first the first shots team I played in we up, uh, we won the league and then we went up to the Premier League and won it. And I think the first year we played at Fur Park and beat Arthurley in the final of the League Cup. And there was a, yeah. a big crowd there, you know a good few thousand anyway. And uh, that Arthurley team won the Junior Cup that year. They beat Pollock in the final 4 0. They were a very good team. Um, but we beat them in that final. And then the next year, when we went up to the Premier League, it was us and Arthurley for the league. I think that was the year you were yeah. there, wasn't it? Aye, that was that, aye. And we won the Premier League by, I think we, it was two points for a win. I think we ended yeah. up winning it by about 14 or 15 points. But we were a good side. And yeah. uh, aye, we won three leagues in a row that short team. Um, we were a good side. Rap had moulded a really good good unit, you know, that all wanted to play for each other. So, aye, aye, it was a good good team. Just just the last thing, um, I mean, you've, you've mentioned your kind of, your life away from football, your business side of things. I mean, very successful. NTL, I think I'm right in saying, did you not set up NTL in the UK? And aye, I was... Uh, I, I, that, that was at the time when I was at Shot. So, you know, obviously I'd done, you know, I'd done my MBA and I'd done, you know, the the bachelor's degree and stuff like that in business. So, yeah, I, I, I was one of the the first employees at NTL and uh, we then bought Telewest and then we sold it on to Virgin. But I, I was there for, what, 12 years or something like that um, at NTL. I really enjoyed my time there and I, 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 I've tried to use, you know, any business knowledge or experience I've, I've had and helped to grow businesses or done a bit of consultancy for businesses and, and gave them some tips and stuff like that to, to grow as a, a, a business, you know. And, you know, like I say, one of the last things I've done was uh, my brother-in-law owns Eden Mill, you know, the gin, the gin oh, yeah. company. So I've done a wee bit of consultancy for him and, you know, and, and helped my brother-in-law, Tony, and, you know, hopefully... You know, they, they've went on to really, really good things. You know, they, they sponsor Scottish Rugby, Hibernian, Dundee United, Celtic, you know, they've, they've had a really successful time yet, you know. So, yeah, some of the wee things that, you know, 
I tried to help them with, you know, they've implemented that and that's made them grow as a business and stuff like that. So I it helped the family and stuff like that, you know. So I'm saying that he's still to pay me for it right enough, but uh, uh, he tries to pay me in gin, but I don't drink, so it's a bit of a pointless <laughs> exercise, isn't it? But uh, no, no, it's uh, aye, just just wee things like that, you know. Just try and help whoever I can, you know, whether it's a person that, that, that works with me, a person that reports to me, you know, it's a football player, if, if I can help anyone, I, I do. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about being a manager. I think that's a necessary skill. If you want to manage people, then you need to be empathetic towards people and try and get, you know, working with people and try and get the best out of people and developing them and improving them. So, aye, anything that I can do to help anyone, I, I always try and do. Great stuff from Tony there. Last Saturday, he and Cumnock were up taking on for Martin United in the first round of the Scottish Cup. They came back with a two-all draw and have the replay at Townhead Park this Saturday. It's a fair old trek up there, Paul. As a trek, I noticed a few of the teams as well. Like Darvo travelled uh, up to Aberdeen. Uh, I noticed they, uh, Mick had put on social media they had an, uh, an overnight stay, which is a luxury for a lot of clubs. I don't think there's SPFL teams that have overnight stays when they play up in Aberdeen, but uh, credit to the guys there. Listen, Scottish Cup weekend's brilliant, isn't it? It's Whether it's the senior Scottish Cup, whether it's us, the, the juniors, the weekend that, that I love. And probably the reason we re-entered, well, it was the reason we re-entered uh, our membership with the juniors, because we actually had left and then we rejoined about a month ago. Because, you know, obviously we spoke about it as a committee and it was just one of those things that, a Scottish Cup weekend, isn't it? It's just a break from, break from uh, league business and, you know, you can go out there and play without any pressure on you. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Des Roach. We start in the West, with the major news being the shock transfer request of co-winning Ranger striker Carlo Monte. And Monte has cited the reasons for being financial. The ex-Celtic... Morton and Dundee man has been at the bus for five years now and they have accepted bids from his old club from Chapel United and Broomhill. However, suggestion and rumour say that several West of Scotland Premier League clubs are circling, including Darvo and Pollock. And if it was to be Pollock, well, that would mean a full stint at Newlandsfield. Mary Hill, the rebuilding continues after Ross Wilson releases another five players from Lockburn. It's certainly a revolving door that they have in that dressing room. At Irvin Vicks, their recent 3-1 victory over Johnson Borough ended new boss Dougie McDuff's long-awaited maiden victory after 13 previous attempts since his appointment at the end of June. And great news for friend of the show and previous guest Mark Mackay. His hiatus from the game after leaving the manager's role at Bale Clyde is over and Mark will take up a coaching role at Arthurley. In the East, after the opening Scottish Cup results, the Edinburgh and Lothian clubs have found their new destinations. Edinburgh City, they have a home tie against the winners of Wick Academy and Bowness United, who played out a 2 0 draw. Trinent, who defeated Pennycook, well, they face a trip to the west to face David Gormley's Broomhill. Well, Preston Athletic have a huge tie with the West Giants, Auckland Lake Talbot, visiting them at Pennypit Park. While Silver Server Strollers travel to league opposition Cowdenbeath, and Bonnyrigg have an all-low-in-league tie with East Stillingshire. 
And finally, to tie up this week, up in the Highland League, Brora Rangers have confirmed the appointment of Craig Campbell as their new boss. Campbell was previously assistant to the newly appointed Elgin City assistant manager Stephen Mackay, who resigned in late August. Campbell will be assisted at Dudgeon Park by Neil MacDonald and Josh Meekings, who will perform a player's coach role. Well, that's enough from me. Hope you're all well and enjoy your football this weekend. Hi, it's Murdo McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Now, three or four weeks ago, we spoke to the West of Scotland League's fixture secretary, Kenny Young, and our dear boss, Sean Kenny. Those interviews weren't broadcast due to the tragic events that happened at New Mains that week. We're going to play them both just now because there's a lot of good stuff in there and some important messages from Kenny too. But please do bear in mind when they were recorded. First up, we hear from Kenny. Well, it's been a hectic start to the West of Scotland league season with teams playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. The man behind the scheduling is Kenny Young, the West of Scotland League's fixture secretary, and uh, he joins us now. Well, Kenny, last year you must have been pulling your hair out with all the chaos COVID brought. Uh, How's it been this season so far? It's been good in quite a few aspects of it. I know it's been a busy, busy period for everybody. The main thing is a lot of clubs have through it with 10 games under their belt. And that sets us up nicely for the rest of the season. Um, it's a one-all. It's only going to happen this season. Next season we'll start and as normal, and probably at best we might be looking at two Wednesday nights at the very start. Other than that, I think we'll be good to go. Um, I know clubs are struggling at the moment. There's a lot of, you know. It's, I suppose, about injuries coming in, player numbers being down for one reason or another, but it's it's a necessary evil, I suppose, and we've just got to get on with it. But I think in the the big benefit is that these 10 games out of... We're now down to Saturdays only. There will be a few Wednesdays come in for those that have got the floodlights, but other than that, can settle down into Saturday games. One of my questions was going to be, will we see a start to the season like this again? Um, you know, there has been a lot of managers suffering with injuries, holidays, COVID call-offs, but providing providing the world returns to as normal a place as possible, we shouldn't see this, this start to the season again. No, uh, the, the big problem has always been the 20-team the Premier Division. Uh, that that's gave me a major headache, and uh, if that, if we get into next season with sixteen teams in the Premier Division, and then we're we're three linear leagues all set up, then I, I don't see the need to get started. I don't see the need to play as many midweek games at the start of the season. So, like I said, it's a one-off season, but uh, once we get back to normal then things will be better I know I know you mentioned there that uh, it's just really a case of getting back and 
you know, guys get 10 games under the belt. And I, I, I'll only ever speak for new mains. It's obviously killed us a little bit. I'll not like it. And I mentioned before you come on, you know, I've probably lost 60% of my team. And on the 28th of the month, you know, we physically didn't have a centre-back at the club. I, I know for you guys, it's about getting to one-year one leagues as quick as possible. But do you think maybe this year, or has anybody mentioned to you this year, that it has been slightly unfair in terms of, like, say, There'll be clubs that have suffered from that. There were maybe championship clubs last year and actually now could find themselves in Division 2, you know, at the end of this, because, I mean, that is a third of the season played already. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been out and about. I've been visiting various clubs and uh, that message does come across, you know, at the uh, moment, quite quickly into a season with uh, players no getting much of a pre-season, if you like. And there's there's no been much arrest between games, so obviously it can have an effect on your squad. Uh, I understand that, but again, it's for everybody, and we all knew that when we were, were putting this together. So, like I said, it's just something that had to happen. How, how do you, with hindsight now, how do you how do you look at those conferences and how they've worked? Because some weeks there have been heavy beatings, haven't there? And 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 we all knew what we were going into that there would be disparities and gaps, and you know there'd be bigger teams, better teams, financially better off teams coming up against uh, smaller teams uh, within those conferences. And I, I guess it's all about filtering the system out, but. Did, did you think that system will eventually pay off when when things come around for next season? It's not an ideal situation, as you say. You'll get three different levels of, of teams been put into one conference. You've got top teams, you've got middle teams, and you've got teams that are normally struggling along at the bottom of the leagues. So, yeah, you are going to come up against uh, you're going to find you'll get games where the big heavy defeats are coming in. That's no good for the morale of the players and what have you. But uh, this is something that we inherited. Um, it wouldn't have been my preferred way of doing it, but it is what we've got. And basically, we've just got to get on with it. And hopefully, we can get it over and done with this season. So that we can actually get into a season where we've got a league or we've got leagues that are full of teams that are more on the same level. Obviously, we are one of those teams that, that as I keep mentioning, that, that have struggled. And, you know, coming up against teams like Canvas Lang Rangers and stuff like that has been tough. What other way, though, Kenny, could we have got around that? Is there another kind of format you could have looked at, or is it just a case of, well, that really is only, I suppose, the only option, isn't it? If you want to get fair competition, possibly next season when we go into linear leagues. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it was the only the only way we could have done it. We had to we had to work on some kind of basis. We had to have some foundation, and the loaning league when they set it up used the the the, the finishing positions. Uh, that the junior teams found themselves in and filtered it through that. You've announced the latest batch of fixtures. 
talk us through talk us through that process, Kenny. And 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 um, you mentioned before coming on air that you'd maybe you've maybe already had to make a few alterations to them already. Uh, how how does all that kind of go for you? And how, how big a chore is it? Well, again, when we originally set out, we set out a phase one list of fixtures, and that is target point number one to get us past phase one so that whatever happens after that, we will be going into next season with a divisional setup. Now, we're quite well on our way to getting phase one over, uh, but there were quite a few games had to be postponed. They were either postponed because of cup fixtures coming in or they were postponed because of COVID uh, having an effect on squads. So all those games had to be fitted back in as quickly as possible. Uh, I couldn't sit and wait till the end of the season to put them in. I had to put them in before we get back on track with phase two. So I've been sitting and uh, yesterday and today and I've redone, rejigged all the fixtures. Um, we've got fixtures up to the 20th of November. Um, I know that the, the plan is to put fixtures out to the end of the season, but I don't really see the point of that at the moment until we get past phase one, because we could, because uh, today in particular, I had phone calls from five clubs asking about the procedure regarding getting a postponement for their game on Saturday. So, again, we could be looking at the, these uh, positive COVID tests coming in and having an effect on us as we go through the season. So, I need to keep some uh, Saturdays available to put these postponed games back in so that we're guaranteed to get phase one over and done with. I've gave them the advice, I've told them what it needs, uh, what the club needs to provide us with. Uh, they need to provide us with uh, evidence that seven players, uh, seven signed players are going to be unavailable due to COVID. Uh, once they send me that information, I'll postpone the game. Uh, it's players, it's no, uh, it's no managers or staff. It's seven saint players, and that's what's in our constitution to allow us to postpone a game. Is is that is that a big fear to you, Kenny? And and just just so I guess the listeners know, so we know, what would the procedure be then? Providing you can get to, is it phase one? You called it. Is it you need to get to phase one to make the competition. Uh, not become void if if that makes sense yeah. is that is that the kind of the the first marker you're getting to and then if the league is called after that then you've got a competition a full competition to call on yeah if we get past phase one that is where every team in the uh, the league whatever whatever division you're in uh, if you have uh, played everybody else in your league at least once whether that is a home game or an away game, that means that you've we've got over the halfway point and everybody's played everybody. That is phase one over and done with. And if we get to a stage where we can't finish the league, 
then we'll take out all the games that were played in phase two. They'll be declared void, but the phase one fixtures will determine the positions for the following season. So that is the main target at the moment. The first target, as I said, is to get phase one over and done with and then concentrate on getting us past phase two. Hopefully we can get a full league uh, over and done with to get us a true reflection of where we where we are. But um, the, the, if we get phase one down, uh, done, we can relax a wee bit, if you like. So that's where we are. Somebody on on the on the show mentioned that there was going to be a game played, but the, the game would be from phase two. So their points didn't count. So they were going to play each other. I don't know if it was Saturday. Uh, they were going to play each other because they both had a free week. But the Vale of Clyde was it, and so they were going to play this last week, was it? Uh, but their yeah. points wouldn't count until they were into phase two. Is that correct? No, they will count. They will go into the league. Uh, like I said, um, they will go in the league at the moment, and they will be in the the standings and. But if it gets to a stage where the league is called and we don't get finished, then these fixtures will be taken back out of the league. So right. as it start, as it as it as we go through the season, every game will feature in the league table, but they will they'll only be declared void if uh, we don't get a full complement of fixtures done. If we get to the in the Premier Division. Uh, to get me clear of phase one, it t- takes me up to the 20th of November. You know, obviously, uh, the conferences are a wee bit lighter in teams. So by the time we come to the end of October, those teams will be into phase two. So we, we, like I said, but the, the problem is that we need the premiership phase one to finish. Because if we don't get it finished, we can't relegate anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of lot of things happening there, uh, Kenny. I guess um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, you, you mentioned that you you go around various clubs uh, every weekend. What's what's been the kind of what, what have you thought about the way you know clubs are dealing with COVID um, procedures? How they're coping, the feedback you're getting. What's your kind of general feeling of the West of Scotland League right now? I think the the, the teams, the clubs are doing the best they can under the circumstances. Uh, again, there's quite a few clubs. Uh, I'm quite sure Paul will understand that there's quite a few clubs that are very short-staffed, and a lot of clubs, the committee are. What would you say? They're at an age where they're maybe saying, listen, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to go here at the moment. You know? So, I think things are getting better. Uh, There are more and more clubs getting the use of changing rooms. And I think think if we keep paying attention to the rules and the restrictions and continuing that way, I'm hopeful that we'll come through the other side of it, okay? 
Ruin Kenny, well, I think that's a that's a positive note to end it on. Hopefully, we uh, we can get to the end of phase one and uh, we can take it from there. And uh, these COVID outbreaks, we can we can only hope that they they don't come along too often. Yeah, uh, I just keep my fingers crossed that um, we can get to the other side and, and especially get us past phase one. But I really do hope we can complete a full season. So that come the end of the season, everybody's going into the league that they should be in. And next season, they're going to be playing like for like. And <clears throat> the the league should be more competitive. They should be tighter than what they are at the moment. And, and that will be better for everybody, no matter what division you're in, whether that's a Premier Division or whether that's a bottom division. You will be playing teams that are you know, more suitable to what your standard does I suppose is, is that fair as well Paul do you think next season will be I don't know I was going to say more enjoyable for for all teams but uh, you know you'll be playing against teams you should be playing against rather than the way the way things have gone this year yeah one the one thing uh, these conferences do it will sort out you know I suppose every league in, in, in Britain could use a conference system at some stage to, fit, to allow everybody to find out their levels and I definitely, you know, it's disheartening, you know, coming off the park and uh, boys thinking, you know, well, we should have competed with Canvas Lang Rangers today, do you know what I mean? And and and, and you've let an eight and you've allowed one guy to score seven goals, do you know what I mean? I get that. Boys are frustrated. Uh, boys get fed up with it. From that point of view, it's not a good thing. But over the piece, it'll be good next year because... You know, Division Two or Division One will have the, the the teams in it that 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 finished at that level. I think I think you'll also find Paul that there's quite a few teams that I have noticed they've really pushed the boat out a bit. They've really went for it uh, because they may be thinking they could steal a match and jump right up into the Premier Division even. Or at, the very, or at the very least, get into Division 1 rather than finishing Division 2, which would might, might be a more reasonable target for them. But because they're pushing the boat out, they think they can get into Division 1. So there are quite a few... Uh, quite a few teams have stepped over and above, if you like. Uh, and, we've, and we've seen that, Canvas Line, Garth Cairn, St. Cadix. Three teams, you know, three teams that we've had in they opening seven or eight games, you know, and 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 I said to the boys, there is levels, and 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 you need to, you know, realise that that we've went from playing teams round about us to teams ultimately three divisions above us in terms of, as you say, Kenny, quite rightly. So they they would hold their own in the Premier League. Some of these clubs. Yeah, yeah. Gareth, can I interrupt you? Can I just uh, add a wee mention? Um, just to let you know, uh, with me doing the fixtures, uh, I'm not going to have any fixtures planned between, uh, just see if it was the date, it's the, the Christmas and New Year period. I don't have any fixtures between the 18th of December or the 8th of January. But if there's any teams wanting a game in that period, I'll be happy to put them on if I've got an opponent for them. So if there's anybody listening 
And they're thinking about getting a game played uh, midweek under the lights, if you like. Uh, 23rd of December, possibly. If I can get two teams, I'll put them together and I'm quite sure it would be well received. Sounds a good idea. No, well, yes. Kenny, uh, thanks for thanks for coming on again. As ever, we appreciate it and we'll, uh, we'll no doubt speak to you again during the season. No problem. Thank you very much, Cheers. guys. Interesting stuff from Kenny there, who has also been in touch to say that uh, everything's on schedule to get phase one completed and that he's now added fixtures up to December the 18th. Next up, it's Sean Kenny, who has got Odia rocking this season. Back at the start of June, Sean Kenny came on the show to outline his plans after taking over at Ardea. What a start they've had too. They've only lost one of their opening 10 games so far. Pleased to say Sean is back with us. Sean, thanks for coming on again. Oh, thanks for having me back on, guys. It's, it's much appreciated. Well, it couldn't really have gone much better for you, could it? Aye, uh, well, if you'd ask me after a Canvas Lang game or the Dorai game, or, uh, the, boys have, the boys have done great, but I think it's says you're fair. I'm, I feel sorry for the boys because... They're doing great, they're getting good results, and they get about five minutes to to be happy about it. The changing rooms, and then I come in and the lads on to the next one, and the last time we're focused on the next game. And I uh, cheers for that, Sean. Thanks. Uh, we'll just move on then. <laughs> but I sort of see, see to be fair, it's been the same sort of message when we when we lost it, or else when we had a, a draw. That um, you don't get too high, you don't get too low. Tell me, Sean, before we go into the football stuff. No pyros, no party. All I've seen is all the pyrotechnics down there. I used to go down there, there was one guy in his dug. <laughs> Where did the fans come from? Well, you know, they, they were there. They were there when, as I say, obviously I spoke the last time, and they were there, well, it must be 10 years ago when I was the 17s, and, and they were brilliant. It was Derek Cook's team, and I don't know why, I don't know, why, I don't know the reasons, but it was why they weren't there, but it was a big, most important thing to get them back, and... Fair to say that they're back, all right. They've been absolutely brilliant. And what a buzz it gives the boys as well. And, and they feed off each other as well, I must say. The, the fans love the players because obviously they're doing well. But I think they see that they're, they're working hard and they're fighting with things aren't they going well. Because we've grinded out a lot of results. So that's, I think that, a lot of that comes. I think I, I think it was the first game of the season for Hollywood, I'm sure it was. And we had a drinks break. And it was nothing, nothing each. And uh, drinks break, so it must have been about 70, 75 minutes. And um, just just as we went back on after the drinks break, um, uh, sure enough, one of the flares went off, but they, they started singing and they're, they're behind, sort of, behind the dugout to the right. And I genuinely, uh, I'm not just saying it, sounds cheesy, but I genuinely had goosebumps. And I know it gave the boys a push, and the, they scored the last minute winner that day. And I genuinely think that comes, it came for the side. It was. What a feeling that. And I, I'd say to them, it doesn't matter what level of football you're playing at. See, for that second, uh, when you scored that goal and everybody's together, unbelievable feeling. I spoke to Nizzi last week, the Thornywood manager, and he said it was unbelievable. He says even in the warm-up, they were giving, they were giving the assistant manager those absolute pelters. <laughs> Which is good, good for our level of football, isn't it? It's brilliant. I, I, they're no shy. Um, and they're not shy with me either, to be fair. The, the, they've got a song they sing about me being a captain of a ship or something like that. And I, I don't, I can't pick up the words. And 
the ship's a tanker and I'm something, I don't know, but <laughs> I've quite a lot and I must say, I've got other songs that I prefer. <laughs> is it like the tanker? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. If the ship had an anchor, Sean Kenny is a... <laughs> Do you want to move on, guys? <laughs> in terms, in terms of the, the transition, though, you've obviously brought a lot of your Kilbride Thistle boys in. I mean, people always talk about, is there a gap? You know, what are the different levels of football? Because they've been so sort of separate. But, I mean, it, it proves that the, the, the side you had, the players that you've got or you had at, Kil, at Kilbride Thistle... Have done, you know, a sterling effort, haven't they? That they, they are, they're a team with ability that can clearly match match things with with teams that um, some would say are bigger, some would say have got bigger budgets and so on. Yeah, I've always I've always had the thoughts that top amateur is was better than bottom junior. Um, top junior better than some of the maybe the lower leagues. Top lower league better than some of the the bottom senior. I think that's just you'll find. I, I, I don't believe that just because you're junior, you're better than amateurs. I don't think that's right. And again, as I think I spoke before about snobbery. There's a bit of snobbery because you're playing a public party and those good. That I never believed in that. And people would tell me that my players, he should be playing junior and this one should be playing junior. Well, I know because they're good and that's why I want to sign them. That's that's why you want to keep good players. And you, I always think if, if, if you want to be a good amateur team, then you need to try and be like a junior team if you want to be a good junior team you need to try and be like a senior team and you've got to aim above you there's no point if you want to be a good amateur team don't try and be amateur I think following your social media and stuff like that Sean the stuff you guys are doing now is another level as well and probably clubs like not just our dear but a lot of clubs maybe down in the the kind of the old second division where we were at the juniors could take a, a lot from it. It makes a huge difference. It gives the club a whole new outlook as well. Well, what I said, you, you just think that you you want to sort of again. You spoke about the fans, but it's that engagement. Yeah, even again, I spoke about the hits, and it's obviously the social media boys. It's their department, but the percentage of hits that have went up since they took over is unbelievable. Um, and it's it's obviously a good reach out there, and and I I think we're just. The thing, the thing that sort of changed through is just honest people who are out, who love our football. We've got a good bond in there. We're in a good community that's backing us as well. So we're just out and we're enjoying it and we're trying our hardest. And just so far it's been good, but there'll be hard days to come and that will that will always be a test. We all, we all need to stick together then when that happens as well. Do you think, Sean, if you get to the Premier League, they'll build a statue and are there for you? I think if I win four more games, they've promised me. <laughs> do, you, I mean, do you think, I mean, it's been such a good start. You know, we were talking to, to Kenny Young earlier and we were talking about these leagues within leagues with the way the conferences are this year. Some teams have ended up getting big beatings. You boys have obviously come from lower down. Now you're standing, now you're sitting where you are. Do you believe that you can you can hang in there? Hang in there's maybe the wrong phrase. That you can stay up there and actually, you know, be one of these teams that, that really takes advantage of the way the conference system is working this year? Well, hopefully. Um we've spoke people keep asking us about 
do you think you can do this and do you think you can do that? Man, it's always the same. I've got massive belief in my players. I think we're going in the right direction off the park as well. I'm not going to put limits on what the boys can achieve. Um, but why would they? They're punching above their weight just now. If we if we aim high and, and we maybe fall just below that, we're a lot further on than we were. Um, but I would never say... I don't. I don't see why you would limit limit the players or, or limit the club to what it's capable of doing. Because, well, even so far, I mean, the boys have surprised me in a positive way, and and, and the community surprised me. The club surprised me. So now nah, we're going to be as high as we possibly can, and we might get there. We might not, but it won't be for the lack of trying. What's been the highlight so far? That I mean, the Kalut game sounded a bit uh, frantic <laughs> with the eight goals, but would that be the highlight, or were you tearing your hair out thinking that's Three three goals conceded, and you prefer the. You know, it might be another game that you preferred. Do, do you know the the Kaluk game? And I was actually that's one of my camera games. I, I was I, I try my best to stay camera to say I'm no a shout on a schema, but sometimes you can't help it. But the Kaluk game is actually, and I mean there's no disrespect to Kaluk right like that because they they came out and they, and they started very well, obviously. But I, I says to the boys even at two 0 as soon as they scored the second that. If we score before half time, then then I, I think we'll be all right. We ended up running at half time three two up. So I was always quite calm. We'd actually played some lovely football against Kilwick, um, but they had hit us with the first goal. He scored was a, an absolute great team goal, and it's I don't know if there was highlights. It'd be disappointing if there wasn't, because that that goal deserves a lot of praise. Um, for obviously it's stuff Kilwick had worked on, but for highlight. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you know what's been that many? It's been that many games and we get beat at the weekend. So, <laughs> I'm a, as I said to the boys, I'm a diddy now. We don't have highlights for <laughs> We're all rotten and, and uh, we've fall, we'll fell off a cliff and that's us. We don't have highlights. And, and, and you, know, you mentioned the number of games there. How, how have you coped with that? Have you had to rotate? Have you missed boys through you know, holidays, injuries, COVID, whatever? Has it been a, a tough a tough uh, spell that way. You know, you've really been sort of flung in the deep end, haven't you, that way? Well, I, I think it'll be the same for everybody, Gareth, to be honest. Um, I don't want to come on and complain and things like that, but it's actually more new that it's, it's taking effect. I mean, um, I think we, we actually did rotate the squad quite a lot. I think up until, up until the weekend's game, only Jack Taylor had played every minute for us, and that's including my goalkeepers. Jack's were centre-half that we, that we brought in from from a local order 19s team um, and he's, he's come in and he's been excellent um, and then his record went out the window because he went to Newcastle at the weekend <laughs> but it seemed to have a good weekend anyhow but but I but we've rotated the full the, the full squad and we've been lucky that way but some of it's been forced and, and some of it's just just guys coming in and coming back and things like that and we, we, we've got a fair few injuries obviously we're just back for training just now but I think the busiest guy at the club now is the physio, Jordan. He's 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 constant. We've got a WhatsApp and players and there's more on the the physio chat than there is on the actual team chat than it's but again, everybody will be in the same boat and there's no point feeling sorry for yourself, just got to go on with it, ain't you? Many what kind of numbers are you carrying squad wise, Sean? Um, I think we are at twenty-one. Twenty one and we've used we're very lucky, as I think I said before, we've got under-20s. I think with uh, young Leo, who, who, who fair under-20s, he's 16-year-old, he started for us at the weekend. 
started the first game of the season as well. Um, and we had two under 20s boys on the bench. So, to say, we are really, we're, I think we had 14 at training in the night as well, which is actually quite low for us. Um, but it's all, it's injuries. And what, one thing I have said as well, when, with the sort of COVID, usually I would be, if boys are telling me I'd go on holiday during the season, I'd be quite crabbit about that. But how how can you how can you stop people doing things? I mean, we've been we've been locked up for a year, so I I, I can't really fault MD for that either. It's it is what it is, isn't it? Absolutely. You mentioned the Canvas Land game. It was the draw the draw with Dal Rai as well. What do you like? What are you like as a manager after those games? Is it, does it hit you hard? Is it is it is it kind of a not a weekend ruiner? But you know you're you're constantly thinking about how that won't happen the next time. Aye, I basically I I don't know as me know that as well. Um, I, I was at you know I see the Canvas Line game. I was actually quite quite calm, disappointed, um, but at the same time, Canvas Line are a smashing team. They really are a good team. It's that seven seven or eight and a bounce of one now and. Um, and Canvas Line are really, really good. They've got a lot of experience. They know what they're doing. Um, and, and on the right, we'll just beat be a better team. It's something like that. And, you know, sometimes that happens in football. Um, the dry game, I was annoyed with myself, probably more than anything. Um, I say we did, we did have injuries, but that's, again, that's not an excuse. We also had guys coming back. I mean, we, we were a wee bit flat in the dry game. And um, basically, we had four guys, three guys went off injured in the Greenock game, so we changed the team up and I brought in five guys who were just back for injury or who hadn't played regularly and if you think about it, you can do that maybe with one or two guys, I mean the boys that come in are really good players, but they've just not been playing through injury and um, if you bring in half the team who are maybe not their sharpest their performance isn't going to be sharp and hindsight, that was my mistake and, and I held my hands up for that and, and it's not the boys' fault as well, I, to be honest, I probably hung them a bit to dry by doing that. Um, but as I say, that that's not the boys' fault. That was my fault, and, and I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. And uh, obviously, I took advantage of that because I was straight on to show and asking how they played. So you become New Main's chief scout as well. <laughs> I'm going to have guys for the right, my donna. It does matter to us when, when we have a, a, a disappointing result. That's something that, that I'm big on. I, Boys that go into the change rooms and can laugh and things like that after after a bad result, they they wouldn't last in my in my changing room. No, even because of me, but because of the boys as well. It's just something that we're proud of what we've done. We've actually obviously we've went to Aldea from Kilbride, but obviously with the support and things like that, the people doing Aldea, we've we've bought into it big time. We're proud of where we are, and we're proud of the club we play for. And and when, and when we maybe. Don't do what we should do. Then, then I were angry, um, and and that's that's what you need to have. We, we'll we'll just keep trying to win games of football. That's people can say what they want. Really, people have been really nice, but people also ex- also expect a bubble to bust, and we've got to use that as a wee bit of motivation as well. Brilliant, Sean. Well, thanks for coming back on the show. We're, we're good to see uh, you've started so well and you're doing so well, and uh, keep it keep it going. Brilliant, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Hi, my name is David Bakey. I'm the chairman of Tayport Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West. 
Last week saw Irvin Vicks and Johnson Burrow head to head at Victoria Park with the Vicks coming out 3-1 victors on the day. Shane Jackson double and Sean Cairns with the goals. It gives Dougie McDuff his first win of the season. Well done also to Chris Wilson at Dorai in their first win of the season and a massive well done to Glasgow United who inflicted the first defeat of the season on high flying and big spending St Caddocks. Hi, I'm Paul Maxwell, manager of Ashfield Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Give us those clues again, Paul. So up until 2013, they played in the East of Scotland League. They were formed in 1894 and in 1907 separated into two teams. Both clubs merged again in 2013. And in 2013, they moved into the pyramid system of Scottish football. Right, I was going to say Kelty Hearts. But I'm wrong, aren't I? Right, another shot. Trying to think who's back in the system now. I'm... You put me on the spot here now, Paul. Uh, let's go for three Rovers. No, no, no idea. You right, stay with Kelty Hearts. I'll go with Kelty Hearts. Gala, Ferradine Rovers. Do you know what I nearly said then? Ah, but you never. And I give you two. Sh- I give you two chances to say I, it, and you never they, took it. They were my third choice. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good, good clues, good clues. Uh, well, it's been good to have you back on the show, Paul. Uh, we'll look forward to catching up again next week. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Forty Four Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.